The topic today is about burial in Israel, uh, obviously related to Pasha's Vayichi, where we have the concept mentioned in Torah. So let's start by learning a Gemara. This Gemara is in Ksubus, Tafkufshid Aleph, Ahmed Aleph, 111a. Um, somewhat of a famous Gemara, um, for those who have ever dabbled in the topic of uh, Zionism, and the, 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 those Jewish uh, leaders who... Um, or against Zionism, very often t- quoted the um, the section just before the Gemara I'm about to read about the Shalishvus, the three oaths that um, Hashem made the Jewish people take, and uh, one of the oaths is that they will not uh, rebel against the nations that they are in exile uh, that they are in exile under, and they won't yalla b'chayma, they won't uh, come to Israel by force, which was some of the objections to the early Zionisms to the Zionists. Anyway, um, so in the Hemshech of that Gemara, it says like this. Amar Rebbe Lazar, I have to remember the names also, they may be a bit relevant soon, we'll see. Amar Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Lazar says, Kol hadar ba'eretz Yisrael, somebody who lives in the land of Israel, sharui b'loi avain, it's, like he's 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 there without sin. He's how do you say shari? He's literally shari means he soaks. He means he exists. He's there without sin. Shanaimar, as the pasuk says, this is a pasuk in the Navi Yeshaya. Um, the neighbor should not say, "I have become sick." Um, because the people dwelling there, Nasu Avain, are forgiven of sin. So the way um, Rashi explains this Pasuk, not here, but Rashi in, over the, uh, on the Pasuk, is that the people surrounding Eretz Yisrael, the neighboring countries of Eretz Yisrael, should not be able to say that their suffering is, comes by virtue of them being neighbors of the Jewish people. So there's a principle we know by Kairach, Woe to the wicked, woe to his neighbor. So, according to this interpretation of the Pasuk, the Pasuk is coming to say that the neighboring uh, nations of Israel may have thought to blame their suffering, that we are suffering because the Jews are suffering, and the Jews are suffering because of their sins. So it says, don't say that because the people who dwell in Zion are Nasu Avain, are forgiven of sins. So if there's no sins in the land of Israel, so then... Um, obviously, that's not the reason for the suffering of the neighboring countries. Amalei Rava Ravashi. Rava says to Ravashi, Anan that our tradition to translate this pasuk is not that it's talking about living in Israel, but rather it's talking about people who um, who suffer from sicknesses. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that means, if the Pasuk is somehow saying that the sickness, that that person suffering and being sick forgives his sins, like the, the f- suffering in this world achieves atonement, which is of course a concept that we've seen in many places. Um, but either way, what he's suggesting is, so Rabbi Lazar said that this Pasuk says that if you live in Israel, in Eretz Yisrael, you're forgiven of sin. Rabbi says, no, it means something else. Amar Rav Onon. Rav Onon is a Tana. Not so common, but he does come up once in a while. Um, I believe he is the author of the Sefer Tonnet Ve'aliyoh. He had a chavrusa with Aliyoh Anovi, if I recall correctly. And he, he authored the Sefer Tonnet Ve'aliyoh. 
Um, so we say in davening every day we quote a piece from Tanah Dvelio. Uh, no, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Tanah Dvelio. Right. So um, fine. So Amar of Anon, Kol HaKavur Beretz Yisrael, anybody who is buried in Eretz Yisrael, Kilu Kavur Tachas HaMizbeach, it's as if he's buried underneath the Mizbeach. Um, now, Ksiv Hacha Mizbeach Adom Atasali, because the Pasuk says that you should build for me a Mizbeach made out of Adama, made out of earth. Uksiv Hasam, and in Parashas Azino, it says in, in the context of atonement, that the Adama, that the earth, Forgives, um, forgives him. In that case, it's talking about uh, probably uh, I believe burial. I have to check up the pasuk, but either way, it's the word adama adama. And so, just like the mizbeach achieves atonement, so being buried in Eretz Yisrael also achieves atonement. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean literally that it's as if he's buried under the mizbeach, because being buried under the mizbeach is not a good thing. You're not allowed to bury people in the base of mikdash. But it means figuratively, just like we say that Adam Harishon, the Adam, that the earth that Hashem used to fashion the body of Adam Harishon was taken from the place of the Mizbeach, which um, I, I guess is a way of conveying that Teshuvah and Kapara, repentance and atonement, is built into the Bria to creation from the very, from the very outset. So a similar thing is accomplished any time a person is buried in Eretz Yisrael. Ula have a rogel to have a sodic Eretz Yisrael. Ula was accustomed to going up to Eretz Yisrael. Um, so, he, so in those days people didn't travel very much, but Ula was the jet setter and he would, he would frequently travel between Bavel and um, Eretz Yisrael. In fact, in the Yerushalmi, we'll see soon perhaps, Yushami was, they referred to him as Ulo, the go down, the, the one who goes down, because he was constantly leaving Eretz Yisrael. So, Nach Nafshei Bechutz Laretz. He passed away in Chutz Laretz. Also, Amr Leila Rebbe Lazar, they came and told Rebbe Lazar that Ula died. And again, this is the same Rebbe Lazar who said that um, if you live in Eretz Yisrael, you are living without sin. Omar, so Ula said, uh, so Rebbe Loza said, when, upon hearing the news that Ula died in Chutzlaretz, and Ula al Adamot Thomas, you Ula um, will die, died on, impu- on, 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 on impure grounds, on impure, impure land, which is a citation or a, paraphr- a paraphrase of the verse in the Navi Omris, <coughs> yeah, Omris chapter 7. Which is it's 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 in in the context of a curse, where the, the that he says that you know one of the curses your your children will will die and and you'll die and that you will die on foreign ground on, on impure ground. So in other words, Rabbi Lazar was saying, Ula, the one who frequently visits Eretz Yisrael, he should die in in It's not appropriate that you would think. Amrulai. So they said to Rabbi Lazar, but they're bringing his Aroin. To Eretz Yisrael, they're burying him in Eretz Yisrael. Amalahem, so Rabbi Loza said back to them, You can't compare somebody who was, um, how do you say, not consumed, um, gathered. gathered or taken in by um, Eretz Yisrael in his lifetime versus somebody who's taken in after his death. 
Um, so it's better to die there. It's definitely, yeah, it's better to die there. Is it? Is there any value in being buried in Eretz Yisrael according to Rebbe Loza? Reb, so we have like this. We have a statement from Rebbe Loza that if you live in Eretz Yisrael, it's without you without sin. Then we have a statement from Rebbe Onan that if you're buried in Eretz Yisrael, it's like being buried in the Mizbech. But Rebbe Onan doesn't say clearly whether or not he's talking about somebody who died in Eretz Yisrael and was buried there, or he's perhaps even talking about somebody who died in the diaspora and was then brought to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. And then we have this statement of Rebbe Lazar concerning Ullah that it's not as good, that, that being brought to Yisrael in the coffin is not as good as being, as dying there. <coughs> he doesn't say clearly whether or not there's any value at all in being brought there after, after you died. In other words, there's two ways to understand Rebbe Lazar's statement here. Either he's saying that it's very good to be br- for the for the Oren to be brought and buried in Yisrael, but it would have been even better if he had died in Yisrael. Or he could be saying, no, ain't a you know, like, uh, sorry, being buried in, 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 in Eretz Yisrael, if you die in Chuzlar, it's that's, that's no kunst. The kunst is to be buried, to die in Eretz Yisrael. Okay. somebody who was terminally ill, older person, so he, uh, he went to Israel and he stayed in that in the central hotel in Yerushalayim. And after a couple of months he passed away, so that he would Buried. Yeah, and indeed, we'll see. I mean, many people actually. My aunt did the same thing. She was terminally ill, and when when she saw the end was close, she went to Israel, and two weeks later, she passed away. Um, yeah. So I mean, I don't think it was much more than two weeks. If I remember, maybe it was two months. I don't know. Anyway, um, okay. Now I'm going to skip a little bit and read later on in the Gemara. So there's this whole discussion about whether or not. Um, is for everybody or only for those who are buried in Israel and the Moscone is that it's for everybody well it's a machlekos but okay somebody who walks four Amos in Eretz Yisrael is guaranteed to be a Ben Olam Haba a member of uh, a, a, the water cup The Gemara then quotes, uh, I'll just tell, in those lines, the Gemara introduces the concept of Gilgul Mechilas, that Chiz HaMesim will only occur in Eretz Yisrael, but that those who are buried in Chutz Laaretz will um, somehow travel under, ta- under the tunnels to Eretz Yisrael, and Rashi uses the words, they'll sort of sprout out um, in Eretz Yisrael. And that the okay. Then the Gemara brings a pasuk which we just read yesterday that Yaakov, in the beginning of Parshas <coughs> Vayechi, Yaakov says to Yosef to bury him in Eretz Yisrael. On Asasani, when Mitzrayim should carry me up from Mitzrayim, Katani, Bikurasim, and bury me over there in the Maras Mechpelah. Amma Karna, Karna is an Amira. I don't know if I've ever encountered him before. Not a very common one. Dvarim Begoy, there's got to be something hidden over here because Yedea Haya Yaakov should Sadik Gomor Haya. Yaakov knew that he was a per- that he himself was a perfect tzaddik. 
And if um, the, if it's true that even those who are buried in Chutzlaretz are going to have Tchiz Amesim, why did he um, burden his children with the responsibility of burying him in Israel? Let him be buried in Mitzrayim. And... Um, That's what Yosef did. Hold on. Let him be buried in Mitzrayim, and then, and then he'll, 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 he'll have Tchiz Amesim then. But rather, what's the Dvorim Begoi? What's the secret over here? Because Shemon and Yizkele Mechilas. Because perhaps he would not be Zoycha to the tunnels, um, which, if I understand it correctly, means that. Yeah. In other words, the normal way of getting from Chutzlar at Sage Israel is through Gilgal, where Ashi says the bones um, roll through the tunnels to Israel, and that's painful, whatever the painful means, but yeah. Um, but the tzaddikim, they get mechilis, they get proper tunnels that they could walk through to Israel without the pain. So, but Yaakov wasn't sure that maybe he wouldn't be zoichet to the mechilis. So, in order to circumvent the pain of the Gilgal, he, uh, that's why he was matriachem, that's why he, so to speak, burdened them to take him to bury him in Israel. Similarly, we say, Apostle, at the end of last week's parasha, not, no, no, the beginning of the parasha is Yaakov to- talking to Yosef. At the end of the parasha, Yosef is talking to the brothers, like Mark mentioned, Vayash by Yosef of Israel, and he said, I told him that you should take my bones up, when you, when you leave Mitzrayim, take my bones with you. Same thing. There's a, there's a secret going on. There's something d- deeper hidden here. Yosef knew that he was a complete tzaddik. Those, if those who are in Chutzlaretz are going to be, have why did he burden his brothers? Abimei's pastor was such a long distance. And the answer is the same thing. Perhaps he will not be zoicha to have the tunnels. So there's a lot to unpack over here. And um, let's try and do it. Um, First of all, first of all, the Gemara says the start at the very beginning. The Balazar says that if you live in Israel, you don't have any averus. Now, you might say that uh, you may have seen people who live in Israel and they do averus. And if, even if you didn't see it, you may have seen on the news, whatever. Right. So what's shot? So the Pnei Yeshua says that obviously we don't mean that you can live in Eretz Yisrael and do whatever you want and not be responsible for it. And he says, from Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day of atonement, and even on Yom Kippur we say Yom Kippur only atones for people who do tshuva. So, uh, certainly Eretz Yisrael doesn't atone just for, just without any regard for any system. But he says, somebody who goes to Eretz Yisrael because he wants to fulfill the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael, and because he wants to be inspired and motivated by the the avir of Eretz Yisrael, the kedusha and the sanctity and the opportunity, etc., etc. So such a person who's every working moment, wh- why am I here, Bichlal? Why am I in Eretz Yisrael? Why am? Wh- why do I live here? I live here in order to be closer to Hashem and to be fulfill the mitzvah of, of living in Eretz Yisrael and to be in a holy atmosphere. So such a person is moved to Chloe, is guaranteed. He's sort of, he doesn't have any Averis. Kind of similar to the way the Rambam explains, and soon we'll get to how the Rambam, surprisingly, how the Rambam paraphrases this Gemara. But this, the, the idea that Pnei Yeshua is saying is kind of similar to the way the Rambam explains, for example, the Shmira, the guarding of Tefillin and Mezuzas. Yeah? That 
if the whole time you constantly have the reminders of Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elkeinu, Hashem Echad, and you have tzitzis, and you have tefillin, and you have mezuzah, says the Ramam, when we talk about the angels that protect you, those are the angels that protect you. Those constant reminders make sure to keep you in check. So that's the way the Pnei Yeshua explains, I'm paraphrasing the Pnei Yeshua, that's not exactly, yeah, but that's, that's why I understand what he's saying. L'chayur, there's a kash in the Pnei Yeshua, because the, the way we're explaining the Pasuk, how, what's Rabbi Loza's source to say that if you live in Israel and other areas? Because the neighboring countries won't be able, are not able to blame their suffering on the sins of the Jewish people. Right? So, but now you're saying that, no, it's only, only those who live in Eretz Yisrael who are living there in order not to do Averis, though there's other people who do Averis. So how does that preclude the claim that the neighboring countries would make, that their suffering comes from the Averis of those people living in Eretz Yisrael? So I acknowledge that just to say a blanket statement that living in Eretz Yisrael is... It, it ma- makes you, by default, have no averus. I mean, that. In other words, you have to underst- We have to understand, and I don't necessarily have an answer, but we have to understand what does that even mean? Like, from a theological, a religious perspective, what does that mean? That you can live in Israel and do whatever you want. Like, it, it obviously doesn't mean that. But what does it mean? And if you accept the Pnei Yeshua's interpretation, how does that preclude? the claim that the neighboring uh, uh, nations would make. Mm. Um, now, the Rambam, who paraphrases this, is very surprising. The reason why it's very surprising is because the Rambam systematically, um, first of all, the Rambam has a very rigid um, definition of what Olam Haba is. And Olam Haba in the Rambam's world is um, the not continuation but more the progeny or whatever of, of your intellectual accomplishments in this lifetime. Intellectual, we don't just mean uh, secular, intell- intellectual, religious. Th- th- that you spend your lifetime learning Torah and trying to understand God. And if you do that, then, so, yeah, to know God, to understand God, to believe, all the mitzvahs that are related to our relationship with God, that's the work of a lifetime. And then, life is eternal, right? Only the guf, only the body dies, the neshama lives forever. And so, and so that's what Elam Haba is. In a way, it's similar, in a, in a certain way, it's very similar to Chesidus, because Chesidus also talks a lot about how schar and Elam Haba is not a reward, but it's a consequence of that which we accomplish in this lifetime. And in the Rambam's world, it's also very much a consequence, not in the same way as Chesidus, but the, fact that the, the consequence element of it is very much the same. And to the extent that there's a famous Bart in the Yeshivas, which um, actually, I was recently in Hawaii, there's a, there's a there's a Yid in YU, uh, in YU by the name of Rabbi Wida Blank, the son of Wida Blank, you can find him in YU Torah, who bats him, he's a Balnigla. His main thing is he gives Shurim in Gemara and in Halacha, but as a sidekick, he does, he learns Hashkafa and Chesidus, and he learns a lot of Chabad Chesidus also. Um, so he has a book, um, very, it must be about 800 pages or something, yeah? Um, it's, I forget what it's called, but it's on the Yud, I have it in my office. Um, it's on some of the 13 principles of faith. So um, I was in YU, last time I was in New York for the Knesset Shluchim, I went, spent, I w- went to YU, I met him, 
and um, so he was telling me about the next volume of his book is in print and how he has a lot of discussion in, in the forthcoming book there's a lot of discussion about precisely this point about what the Rambam means by the following but fe- the Rambam sa- the Rambam basically seems to say that if somebody is a very good Jew and he does all the mitzvahs and he um, and uh, very devout yeah, Shabbos, Kashos, everything and he believes that, for example, that God has a body. And the reason he believes that is because that's his understanding of the Psukim. The Psukim talk about the hand of God and God seeing and God speaking and God being angry. So he understands. So the truth is that those are metaphor, metaphoric. But this person, unfortunately misguided, understood them that God... So the, the Ramam says, yeah, such a person is not going to have any Elam Habba. It's very nice. We, we have to be nice to him. He's not, he's not a bad person. But Elam Haba is a consequence of understanding God. If you didn't understand God, then there's no Elam Haba. And the Rambam pretty much systematically is, is very strong about this. And systematically, any there's no Sugula. You're not going to find Sugula. So ask anybody who studied Rambam. There's no Sugulas in the Rambam, right? Um, it's not like, oh, you do this and it's a Sugula for Parnosa. You go to work, it's a Sugula for Parnosa. You know, like, the Rambam was very... Even having a more Nebuchim at home. <laughs> so... On that backdrop, the following Rambam is, <coughs> shall we say, unique. The Rambam is towards the end of the book, in the fifth, it's in the last set of Halachas, Hilchas Melachim, chapter 5. The Sages said, Somebody who lives in Eretz Yisrael, his sins are forgiven. He doesn't say anything like the Pnei Yeshua says that this means it. He just says blanket statement. Like Rabbi Lazar, if you live in Eretz Yisrael, your sins are forgiven. Shanema, and he brings this Pasuk that the Gemara brings. Then he says, which is based on the Gemara later, and this is quite shocking. Even if he walked for four Amos in Eretz Yisrael, so this guy, who is a very devout Jew, but he thinks that God has a demus hagov, who has a body, he's not getting Elam Haba. But if the same guy would have gotten on an Alal flight and landed in Israel and just taken a few steps and dropped dead, then he would be um, a Ben Elam Haba, because he walked six feet in Eretz Yisrael. V'chein ha similarly, somebody who is buried there, Niskapole, also achieves atonement. You can see the Ramah is paraphrasing this Gemara. It's as if the place that he is buried is a Mizbech Kapari, is an altar. Um, which is interesting. The, the Gemara makes it in the Gzair Shava. He, he doesn't do the Gzair Shava, just as a Chippah Ad Mosei Amoy. One second. Okay. Yes, yeah, so the Mufarshim explained that. Um... <coughs> Okay, and in the punishments it says, in the curses it says, and that he quotes the verse in Amos, you will die in on foreign land, on impure ground. But it's not the same if you are gathered into Israel in your lifetime versus if you're gathered in after your lifetime. So the Rambam here seems to be talking exclusively about degrees of atonement, and the you have sort of three levels. The first level, which is the best level of atonement, is by living in Eretz Yisrael. The second level is 
um, walking for Amos and Eretz Yisrael. And the third level is being bar- living and dying in Chutz Laaretz, but being buried in Eretz Yisrael. And nevertheless, nevertheless, meaning even though it's not such a big deal to be buried in, Chutz, in Eretz Yisrael if you died in Chutz Laaretz. So in other words, even though that third level is only a small degree of atonement, Nevertheless, the great sages would indeed take their dead to be buried in Eretz Yisrael, as we see in the Gemara, that Ullah was taken to Eretz Yisrael. And then he adds something which, at face value, has nothing to do with the Gemara. This is the first statement that he's about to make that is not to be found in anywhere on this page. We'll see you soon. Go and learn. Seilamad is a, in the Rambam. Seilamad means, you know, go and take a um, example, emulate the behavior of um, Yaakov Avinu and Yosef, who both died in Chutzlaret and nevertheless requested to be buried in Etzisrael. Now, the only. I said that, the, that, that this last statement is not in the Gemara. Now, the truth is, the Gemara does talk about Yaakov and Yosef, where we have um, this concept of that Karna and uh, regarding Yaakov, Yaakov Avinu and Rabchanino regarding Yosef. Sorry. Say that the reason why Yaakov and Yosef. Um, bothered the Shvatim to bury them in Eretz Yisrael was in order to be saved from the Gilgal Mechilas, from having to roll in the in the tunnels. Now, it's difficult to imagine that that's what the Rambam is referring to to that Gemara for a number of reasons, but primarily because that's not what the Rambam is talking about. The Rambam doesn't talk doesn't I don't even think the Rambam mentions anywhere in certainly not in Sefer Hayat, that, um, that there's a concept of Tchir Samesim only happening in Eretz Yisrael, and that those who are in Chutzlaretz will have to suffer through the rolling of the tunnels. So, whatever you to make, whatever the Rambam holds about that, to say that that's what, he, he's, not, he's talking here about degrees of atonement that are achieved by living or, or being buried in Eretz Yisrael. So, so how does this Gemara that Yaakov Avinu that they wanted to save themselves from having to roll in the tunnels, how does that tell you that, oh, go and emulate them to be buried in Eretz Yisrael to save yourself, to achieve atonement? Seems to be a bit of a mismatch. Now, there's another thing. We have here, Karna and, and Rav Chanina both say the same thing. Karna says it about Yaakov Avinu, that the reason Yaakov Avinu wanted to be buried in Eretz Yisrael was, um, was to save from Gilgamel Chilis. And Rav Ashi says it about Yosef. Now, why doesn't Ravashi say? Why does Ravashi have to say about Yosef? Yaakov Avinu is a good example. What, 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 what's wrong with what Karna said? Now, actually, if you look at the Psukim, you'll see that Karna's statement is very bewildering. Is that how you say that word? Mm-hmm. Bewildering. Okay, first, for the sake of contrast, first I'm going to read what Yosef says. Yosef, sorry? I think you could argue that just like in general, kapara it, it often <coughs> includes um, 
all kind of pain, suffering, you know, guilt, um, kapara. Saying lack of atonement. Kapara is usually that case. So then saying, what do you mean that? If kapara, you don't have atonement, then you have suffering. Or that the often, suffering often, 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 often suffering achieves atonement. So in this case, you, you, you have a choice. You could do it the hard way, you could do it the easy way. So the hard way is to go through the tunnels, <laughs> the easy way is to go and allow. Right. <laughs> Which is also apropos because March 2020, LL started restarting nonstop from Chicago. Right. Um, I mean, the service on the plane <laughs> might be a kapara, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go, better, better go United. <laughs> so, it's actually uh, one of my sveikas in Amuna come from there because um, the, Rebbe, the Rebbe encouraged people to travel with Alal. In, in fulfillment of the precept of konim yada misecha, to do business with Jews whenever possible. <sighs> but, but I think that halachically, I, I actually thought of giving a class about the principles of uh, the uh, practical application of when <coughs> to do business with Jews and when you don't have to do business with Jews. But um, but I think that halachically to say that you, there's a halachic obligation to travel with Alal for that reason <coughs> is it would be a very difficult position to justify. The question is, would the Rebbe still say that, okay, it's not the halacha of Lefnim, but Lefnim is sure you should still do it. Or is Alal gotten to such bad... Uh, has to be uh, the same service. Well, that's... Part, anyway. <laughs> right. anyway, Isn't line, that how it works in general? Line, so when I went to Israel last time, I did not go with Alal. I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so Yosef says to his brothers, I'm going to die. Well, he came... Hashem is going to redeem you and he's going to bring you up from this land to the land, uh, listen carefully to the words, he's going to bring you up from this land to the land which he swore to Avram and he made them swear that they would take his bones up with them. Right? What has Yosef said? There's this land which Avram quoted, which was sworn to Avram Yaakov, bury me there. Now, contrast that with what Yaakov says. Don't bury me in Mitzrayim. That's the first thing he says. Don't bury me in Mitzrayim. Right? There was none of that with Yosef. In fact, Yosef was buried in, in some form or another for a few hundred years in Mitzrayim. And, in fact, Rashi and the Apostle brings from the Medrash three reasons why Yaakov wanted to be not buried in Mitzrayim. In other words, before you go to where you should be buried, where should you not be buried? I want to not be buried in Mitzrayim. Why? So either because Yaakov, because in, because Yaakov had uh, um, assuaged the famine, is that the word? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So, so they, he was afraid that he would become sort of deity. Also, he didn't want to become, there was going to be the Makkah of Kinim, of lice, and he didn't want to be um, a part of that. Um, and what's the third reason Rashi says? Uh, oh, and the third reason he says is, well, well sorry. The first reason he says is the, the lice. The second reason is the Gemara of the pain of rolling in the thing. And the third reason is so he shouldn't become a deity. But, but two out of those three reasons are nothing to do with being buried in Israel. It's all got to do with not being buried in Egypt, right? Um, then he says, I will die. And you should take me out of Mitzrayim and bury me in their grave, in the grave of 
my fathers, my ancestors, in the Maharaj Machbela. And he says, I'll do it, and then he makes make a shvua. And then, that's the first interaction. Then the second interaction is later on, um, I hoodie lane yesterday, so it's not so fluent. Um, oh, when he, after he dies, After he finishes, sorry, before he dies, after he finishes blessing all the Shvatim, he says to them, okay, I need Nasef Alami, I'm going to die. Bury me, El with my ancestors, in the cave which is in the field of Ephraim, in the cave of the Steamach Pela, which Avram, which Avram bought from Ephraim Achiti. That's where Avram is buried, that's where Sarah is buried, that's where Yitzchak is buried, that's where Rivka is buried, and that's where I buried Leah. The purchase of the field and the and the cave was all done from the Benechis. So Yaakov has said three things. He says, Don't bury me in Mitzrayim. He says, Bury me with my ancestors. And he says, Bury me in the grave that I paid for. Right? Karisi means to buy. Yeah, maybe I skipped that puzzle. So where do you see anything, any suggestion in Yaakov Avino's words? that there was any value here to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. The value was, okay, first of all, not to be buried in Egypt. And secondly, to be buried with his ancestors and to be buried in the plot that he bought. And in fact, la-halacha in Shulchan Aruch, these things are all halacha la that you're allowed to even move somebody after he's buried. You're allowed to move him to um, a family plot. I, I, I mean, I'm... I haven't looked up all the halachas, maybe perhaps a certain criteria that have to be met, but at least in principle, these are, these are considerations to take into account to where to bury somebody and even to delay a funeral because of this, and in some cases even to move a person after he's been buried, to move him either to a family plot or to move him to a grave which he paid for. And perhaps the Mepharshim suggests, I'm trying to remember where I saw this, maybe even in the Masha, in the back of the Gemara, that that that's why Ravashi doesn't like this whole thing that Karna says with Yaakov Avinu, that Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu wanted to bury Nehetzal to avoid the, the, the tunnels. Because Yaakov Avinu wanted to bury Nehetzal, it's very explicit why he wanted to be buried there, because he wanted to be with his ancestors. But Yosef, he wanted to be buried in Nehetzal for that reason. That's why what? That's why the Gemara... Well, some of the Mepharshim, and I forget, I think it's the Marsha there, I was looking at the Mepharshim yesterday, um, say that Karna says, oh, you know why Yaakov wanted to be buried in the Israel To avoid the pain of the tunnels. <coughs> Ravashi says, you know why Yosef wanted to be buried in the Israel To avoid the pain of the tunnels. Maybe this is also Why was it repeated over the Yeah, why? So maybe it's a play sure. That Ravashi didn't like what Karna said. Because what do you mean? There's a, There's some deep secrets going on over here about why Yaakov wants to be buried in the Israel. There's no deep secrets. It's explicit in the puzzle. He wants why. to be buried in his family plot that he paid for. All that was paid for on his behalf. But then, when the end of the parasha, where Yosef talks about it, there he's not. Yosef not buried in Marsimach Pele. Yosef is buried in Shechem. And there's no, it's not, there's no family plot. There's nothing that he paid for. It seems 
the only thing he says is, take me up to the land, which was, oh yeah, there, you could say, there's a mile in there, to So coming back full circle to the Rambam, where the Rambam says that it's a good idea to be buried in Yisrael, even if you die in Chutzlaretz. Um, and he says, go and say, Olamad, learn from Yaakov and Yosef, L'chayra, I don't even answer this question, L'chayra, it's, it's, it's uh, difficult to understand. What, what is it that Yaakov did? How are we learning out from Yaakov that it's a good idea to be buried in Yisrael? And specifically, how are we learning from Yaakov that it's a good idea for him to be buried in Yisrael that has to do with atonement? Because even if you want to say that the Rambam means this Gemara, this Gemara also doesn't support the Rambam, because the Rambam is talking about atonement, not about, not about rolling in tunnels. So that seems to remain a little bit of a difficulty with Rambam. There is a similar Gemara, which just for the sake of Shleimus, I'll read to you a Gemara in the Yerushalmi, the Rush- Jerusalem Talmud. Um, so we have here like this. One of, the, one of these Amirayim said, If a person was buried, died in Eretz Yisrael and was buried in Eretz Yisrael, now in order to die in Eretz Yisrael, it means you also lived there before, right? So, you, so then you have two points, so to speak. One that you lived there, one that you buried there. If a person was buried in Chutzaretz, but then, sorry, died in Chutzaretz, but then buried in Eretz Yisrael, then he has one good point. Same Ula that we talk about, yeah? The Ula that goes down, he was dying over there. And he was crying. They said to him, Why are you crying? We're going to take you to Israel afterwards. So in our Gemara, it's Rabbi Lazar saying to them, but here Ula himself is saying, so what, what benefit do I have that you're going to take me there afterwards? I'm... I'm losing my pearl, my life, in, in pure land. Veloidoima, you can't compare the land that spits you out to the bosom of your mother versus the one who spits you out to the bosom of a foreign woman. So here, Ula himself almost seems to be saying that there's no point at all, or at least little comfort, in being brought to Israel after, after your lifetime. So Rabbi Bar Kirya and Rabbi Lozer. Now Rabbi Lozer doesn't have the Aleph, but that's how it is in the Yerushalmi. The names are sometimes abbreviated, but it's the same Rabbi Lozer that we have here. Um, they were walking, and they saw they saw a shipment of of Arunas, of of coffins coming from outside the Israel. So Rabbi Bar Kirya said to Rabbi Lozer. Um, what, what, what use is that to bring them here now? It's too late. And he brings some sukkim. And the Belaza says to them, no, there's still value since they come to Israel. They take a piece of Israeli earth and they put it on the coffin and that accomplishes, uh, accomplishes kapara. Which is obviously also the source of the minhag that we have throughout the world that the Hever Kadisha has these little bags of um, earth from Israel that they pour either into the coffin or on top of the coffin, there's different ways of doing it, um, but, uh, but, but, it's, uh, but it's based on this Gemara that somehow taking just earth from Israel um, has some element of Kapara. Of course, that's not the same as actually be bearing, being buried in Israel. Lemaisa, okay, so, so that's sort of the theory of it. 
Lemaisa, there's not much to say because Lemaisa it's very much a, a personal preference, and there are for some people it's ve- very inspired by these type of things, and people uh, want to Dafka be buried in Eretz Yisrael, and there are people who uh, want to be buried locally, so that uh, for whatever reason, whether it's to ease the burden on the family or whether it's to to to, to so the family can have the opportunity to visit their grave. Um, etc. Um, there's a Rav in London who, I was, who I'm close with, Rabbi Schneebald, who his father told him to give him money. Yeah, he told him, like, something, like something that they should bury me in Eretz Yisrael. So he went to Eretz Yisrael and he bought a plot and everything. And then his father passed away. I think like just before Shabbos or something, or I put him too late, too close to Shabbos to take them there to Israel before Shabbos, and then it was some national holiday, Sunday, Monday, like it would have delayed the, the Levaya a few days. So he went to ask whoever he asked his advice from, what should he do? And he said, no, your father said if it's convenient, so vice versa, it's not Bashar to be convenient, so they buried him in London. Because right? he specifically said, like, if it's convenient, you should bury me in Israel. Hmm. Um... So that some people talk about that. There have been, I've seen a vice that would delay two or three days in order to take um, even more. I remember there was Rabbi Groner, there was my son, Rabbi Groner was a shlech to Australia. Uh, he passed away on a Thursday in Australia and uh, and they, they buried him, uh, you know, until they got the body with all the paperwork and all the flights and everything to Israel was probably four or five days later or more. I don't know. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, so people do that. And that's legitimate al Yeah, even though we don't delay a levaya unnecessarily, but burying in Eretz Yisrael is a, is one of the legitimate reasons to delay a levaya. Lemaisa, um, if you look in the Chuvas of the Paskim, um, there's uh, some have some. Um, you see a variety of Chuvas. Shevet Halevi, Bishmol Vazna. Yeah, from the from Chuvas. Uh, numerous Paskim sort of from our generation, and you'll, you'll sort of find the all different approaches and, and attitudes towards it. Um, Chum Soifa has something where he didn't like it. Chum Soifa, okay, but uh, he doesn't say that here, but the, the Chum Soifa, the, in the time of the Chum Soifa, you were talking about this to Emmanuel last week, there was a whole thing about burying people right away. So it could be that that's why the Chassam Sefer was against taking to Israel because it was he was fighting the war of m- making sure people get buried right away. I don't know. I don't know the context. Um, the context of Chabad. So it's interesting because the Rabbeim, the Rebbe actually spoke about this a number of times. That the Rabbeim themselves, similar to Moshe Rabbeinu, it says in the pasuk um, in Zayisabracha, Kisham Chelkas Mechikik Safon. Um, that and it's uh, uh, this ah, it's in Sefer Yeshua um, it comes up in some of the Mepharshim in, in Sefer Yeshua about how God that basically one of the reasons that God Wanted the tribe of God wanted to 
remain on what we call the Transjordan was in order to have access to Moshe Rabbeinu's cave. So even though they didn't know, we don't know where Moshe Rabbeinu was buried, but just the fact that he was in their Nachla, Kisham Chalkas Mechoyikaksafan, that Moshe Rabbeinu was buried in the Chalka of God, was a schus for them. So the Rebbe, I don't know if the Rebbe quoted this Gemara, but the Rebbe did make this point, but the Rebbe did make the point numerous times that the Rabbeim of Chabad um, specifically forewent or did not seek the opportunity to be buried in Eretz Yisrael in order um, to be available to the Chassidim who are in Russia or in America to, to, to be available to, to, to come to the to the, to the oil. Um, and, and the Rebbe actually based on this Mechilis thing, this is a sikha that we learned the first time you came on the oil trip. It's a sikha from Yud Shvat, Toshin Yudad, in 1954. But the Rebbe spoke about <coughs> how the fact that for the Tzadikim there's the Mechilis, there's the tunnels that open up into Eretz Yisrael. So for a Tzadik, Burying, buried the chutzlaret, but he's uh, he's he's buried with an opening to Eretz Yisrael, so it kind of has the value of being buried in Eretz Yisrael. It's just occurring to me as I'm saying this that the chayra. I mean, I have to look back at the sicha. Uh, face value doesn't seem to fit with this gemara because if that's the case, what are we saying that Yaakov and Yosef didn't want to be buried in Eretz in, in, Yisrael? Ah, because they're saying they weren't they weren't sure that they were going to have the mechilas. Once you have the mechilah, that's a pshat. Well, if you if you know you have mechilas, Yaakov and Yosef with their nova, so they knew that they were tzaddik gabbum, but they didn't know if they would be zoich to mechilas. But if you know you have mechilas, and then you have the tunnels, so then it's like that. Then you have the value of being buried in Eretz Yisrael as well. But that's that. There, the Rebbe was talking more about, as far as we're concerned, that the value of a tefillah in such a holy place has also the value of a tefillah like a tefillah in Eretz Yisrael. Doesn't doesn't have the says that. Yeah, because then it's like uh, it's a stroll already after. It's more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you have a, 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 open, a yeah. door open in the stroll after yeah. after Mashiach. Yeah. Um, in that same sicha, actually, the Rebbe talks about how I think it's in that sicha. Maybe it's elsewhere. How the fact that we could just uh, you know just hop into a car and go to the oil um, at any time, even if you don't actually go, just the fact that you could go is a level of accessibility and I feel like living in Chicago uh, that nowadays with uh, and the prices and the, f- and the thing that y- you could, li- I've done it a couple of times uh, so I think you've probably done it more than me but uh, just that you could pick up, get on a plane go and come back, and be back you know, right within a few hours is uh, something which was unimaginable not so many years ago um, anyway um, so, so, so that's as far as so as far as that's concerned. So the rabbeim had a specific reason to be buried in a, in Chutzlaretz, but as far as the Chassidim are concerned, I'm not aware of any sort of specific guidance from the rabbi from the rabbeim on to what extent there's value in being buried in. In other words, to what extent we should um, push ourselves or not push ourselves to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. And I think that you could see. Um, uh, the Rebbe's brother, the Rebbe arranged, he passed away in England, and the Rebbe arranged for him to be buried in Sfas. It's interesting because there's discussion about in Eretz Yisrael, where's the best place to be buried, and so it's better to be anywhere in Eretz Yisrael, or specifically in Yerushalayim. So there is a Kabbalah, I'm not sure if it's from Rimshim Bayechai or elsewhere, that Moshiach was first going to be in the Scala in Begolan, in Sfas. So I, I don't know if that's, I don't know why the Rebbe, I'm sorry, I don't know why the Rebbe buried his brother in Sfas. 
Um, it's interesting because the Rebbe also there's a there's a in, in the same cemetery in Svas, there is a um, son a brother of the Rebbe Rashab, but that's different. He was he died and was buried in France, and it came a point where they were going to like they do sometimes in Europe that after a certain amount of years they cancel out the cemetery, so the Rebbe arranged for his remains to be moved to to Israel, but his brother died in 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 London in Liverpool in in, in England. There's plenty of kosher Jewish cemeteries in England. They ever wanted him to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. Yeah, and and and, and, and the Chabad communities in in Europe, it's very common that people are buried. I think in in, in America, it's a much bigger deal. But in Europe, it's very common that people, in, even within the Chabad community, are buried in Eretz Yisrael, and it's also very common that they're not. So I don't. I think it, it's kind of very uh, like there's no sort of right. In general, there's no right and wrong way, and even within Chabad, it's not like, as far as I know, that we have a specific custom or tradition or, or anything. It remains um, a personal, subjective choice for people to make. Um, but whilst we're on the topic, I should mention uh, that it's uh, very important that people make sure that uh, whatever the arrangements will be, that the arrangements are for after 120 are set in place that everything should be done in the best possible way, alpi halacha, with all the halachas and minhagim that are very important, and people don't like to do it because it means facing your mentality and all these things, but it's important <coughs> to set things in place because if only, if only for care for the family, that if something's set up in, set up in place beforehand, um, so then the family, when they lose someone, it's tragic, or it's always tragic, um, but to then have to, at the same time, be dealing with all the red tape and, besides the financial expenses, all the all mess that goes on, and this one said, and that one said, and this phone call, and that phone call, and it, it causes such stress to families. I know, I mean, my grandfather was very Masudic a person, and, um, and before he passed away, a long time before he passed away, he bought a plot, and he paid for it, and he paid, he paid for every, every detail. He even, he lived in Belgium. And he paid for all the details of transporting his body to to Israel, and everything down to the last penny was paid. And even so, there was still a little bit of Baruch Hashem work all worked out. But he passed away a few very shortly before Shabbos, and on Sunday everything is closed. So the Levaya was Sunday morning. But I remember, like I wasn't there for the Levaya. I came the next day. Um, but like they were still like trying to call the office and they had to get this document and that document to show that it had all been arranged and paid for because and but they had you know but they couldn't get the paperwork in time of the Levi because it was on Sunday but in, in America Sunday is less of a, a strict thing as it is in Europe um, but, uh, but 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 yeah but but, but it's, a, it's an important thing to take care of that everything should be done halachically and 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 and, and Morally and financially and, and emotionally and all the things uh, that that need to be taken care of. Um, so there is discussion in the Mefarshim about the difference which Markham alluded to, the difference between Yaakov and Yosef, that Mark, that Yaakov wanted to be buried immediately in Israel, and even though it's interesting, you don't think about it, it took 70 days, and they were, they were busy with him for 70 days before they released the body, yeah? yeah. yeah we complain, uh, 
Dan, you had you had almost seven days. He had seventy days, <laughs> right? Yeah, but she wasn't in Egypt. <laughs> yeah. um, but but and 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 Yosef versus Yosef, who was happy to, yeah, Yosef was happy to be in Chutzlar at Kolzman. The Yidden were there and only wanted to leave together with them, and how this fits in very well with the different roles that Yaakov and Yosef play. That Yaakov and Yosef are both. Y- Yosef is the progeny of Yaakov. Ela told us Yaakov Yosef. So even though there's twelve Shvatim, but Yosef is sort of the torch uh, carrier of Yaakov. But th- but but nev- but he's not the same thing. There's Yaakov and Yosef. What's the difference between Yaakov and Yosef? So it's a concept which is discussed elaborately in Chassidus. But if I could try and just say the point that Yaakov is Olam Hatzilas. That means Yaakov is absolute oneness with with Hashem, and he can't l- look away from there. Yosef takes it a step further. We've learned about this in the Monday night class in various contexts of interpreting dreams. Yosef is bridging the gap. Yosef has that tremendous consciousness of oneness and with Hashem, which we call the Ilum HaTzilas connection, but at the same time, he's able to prosper in Egypt. Yaakov never really went to Egypt, and even first of all, he lived most of his life in Israel. And even when he was in Egypt, he remained distant. He lived in Goshen. He didn't live. He wasn't involved in Egyptian life, right? He made himself a yeshiva over there before he even came. He opened up the yeshiva, right? Yosef was, you know, knee high in the mud of Egypt. He was he was busy with all the the Egypt and of course everything that Egypt represents. And at the same time, he was able to. Um, Remain, uh, remain connected in that sealess way of connection, and so Yaakov doesn't belong to be buried in Egypt. Yaakov can't. Y- Yaakov is our anchor to Eretz Yisrael. Even when we're in Egypt, we need to know that we still have Yaakov Avinu in Eretz Yisrael, and that's the way our connection to Eretz Yisrael. That's Yaakov's job. Yosef's job. Yosef's job is to stay with us in Egypt, and that's why Yaakov wanted to be removed right away. But Yosef wanted to be removed when it's time to go with us. But so long we're in Egypt, Yosef stays with us in Egypt. Um, if you want to see the, the further elaboration of this idea of the difference between Yaakov and Yosef and the, roles it, the role it plays in their burial plans, so the, it's the first Sikha of Vayichi in volume 25.